invited you into our very, very, very live and in color uh, taping today of episode number two. We do an episode every six to eight months. So for those of you... <laughs> So I'm just gonna make sure that we're going live everywhere. For those of you who watch us um, and follow our musings, you know that an episode happens like that blooming, stinking um, plant that blooms like It's once. called a pop-up, nigga. <laughs> Welcome to our pop-up, everybody. Taking Up Space is a podcast that um, is founded and uh, maintained and kept on live support by uh, the fabulous and incomparable thought leader in my life, Stacia J. Turner. And then I hang out to kind of uh, hang on to all of the low-hanging fruit of all of the knowledge and wisdom that Stacia brings. How are you doing today, Stacia? I'm doing well. Happy to see you, as it's always. Good. It's good to see you. I'm going to pull up our show notes here so that I don't get too lost and we don't end up talking about um, all manner of of nonsense. We um, can do that. <laughs> we, we can. It is our space. It is our space to do so. And I also, now that I'm thinking of it, I probably should pull up um, additionally the space where people chime in to chat because this is a live taping um, and we've got viewers. Viewers, let us know who you are and where you're watching from today. This is an interactive discussion. If you hear something that Stacia um, J. Turner says uh, that rocks your boat, or if you hear something that I say that rocks your boat, we give you full permission to just come on in. How do you feel about that, Stacia? Yeah, the more the merrier. Chime in. Okay, so yeah, Stacia is really more excited about um, that than, than she sounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Exposed. Literally, like if y'all if y'all do want to chat and say something, then sure. But uh, it, 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 I it, guess it, it ain't a big deal to me. I'll keep watching the chats on the sidelines. Today we're talking about truth, not resistance. What do we mean when we say truth and not resistance, and what is it relating to Stacia J. Turner? Um, good question. So I've been thinking a lot about the emotions that arise every time. I experience a microaggression from somebody. Um, you know, every time I'm met with something that feels like a palpable inequity, racism, sexism, patriarchy, any of the isms, um, my nature is to fight rather than flight. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I've been really grappling with... With Rosie. Been grappling with Rosie. I love it. Yeah, I don't want this damn dog. I don't. I don't mind a dog in a podcast episode. <laughs> okay, that's real life. I mean, that's my life. I, I don't mean, know what to right. tell you you act like um you act like uh twenty twenty is embarking on our asses. You go ahead and calm her down, and I'm going to talk to all the people who are listening. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're unpacking right now. Um this wonderful topic of truth over resistance Stacia before Rosie had a complete meltdown um, was talking about the ways in which she's trying to combat in her own personal life. Um, you know, the resistant areas that come up for her. Um, are you, do you have any areas viewers? I see you coming in and filtering it little by little. Thanks for watching this live taping of our podcast episode on Facebook and, and YouTube and Twitter. Um, what areas of resistance come up for you all? Is that something that's sexy to talk about? Is it something that's not sexy to talk about? 
We're talking about specifically today what it means to organize from that place. So Stacia is a, a, a public organizer in environmental justice. I'm an organizer in the activism space as it relates to arts and creativity. Um, how do we get trust and truth in our spaces over resistant energy? That's the question on the table. Um, feel free to chime in. We're going to talk about a few of the ways in which we embrace that and, and sometimes push against it today. Um, Stacia, you're back. Keep going. Yes. Sorry. My apologies. No, it's, it's life. Um, so, yeah. So I've been, I really grapple with how to meet um, injustice with truth. And what that looks like to me is, um, you know, I think when we clap back with defensiveness about trying to articulate our humanity, that reactionary response implicit in that is a notion that our humanity isn't there, right? Um, if you act, I feel like if you're communicating sort of um, defensively, there's a seed of insecurity in that. Even if it's justified to be angry, to act emotionally, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't be humans and sometimes what comes up comes out. But I think what I'm learning in my practice is that at the end of the day, when I act in reaction instead of response to injustice, it takes so much more emotional energy for me. And at the end of it, I don't necessarily feel gratified beyond that moment, that emotional moment of being like, I showed them, but I really want to move with this and uh, maybe we can put in the show notes, but I keep coming back to that um, Charlie Rose and Toni Morrison uh, clip that's on YouTube because, you know, she defines so well the energy that I'm talking about, which is like, I'm no longer going to play games of sort of articulating my humanity or that I am capable of doing a certain thing that I know I am or that I'm worth a certain value. I'm going to take it as a given. And if that's not accepted, like I'm not going to give energy to that kind of, to that kind of response. I'm working towards it. <laughs> Right. Not anymore. We're not giving energy to it anymore because um, Tony taught us also that to constantly have yourself in a position of trying to prove yourself, especially to white people, will always put you behind in the game. Um, the whole uh, face of white supremacy is to discredit. The whole face of white supremacy is to deliver fake news. So if you're if you're in the space of constantly having to prove yourself to white people, even inside your chest. Um, that's been one thing I've been trying to like set myself free from and also set others from. It's like, we have nothing to prove. Like mm -hmm. I am a raisin bran eating singer. Like that's as big, like that's, that's as exciting as it gets. People think people want it to be like something different, but it's really me putting a, a, a overly ripe banana in um in my raisin brand this morning that's what life like really is and to get caught up in trying to like prove um that black lives matter um while that is true trying to prove that while eating my cereal is not the will of the lord for my life 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I, I don't need to prove to white people that I'm worthy of eating the cereal. I'm just going to eat the cereal. And I feel like there, there, there are other areas that we can move into and trust internally where, where the shift, the shift changes from us needing to try to perform for the world at large, but just bring who we are um, from that place of trust or resistance. And Stephen Pressfield talks a lot in his book, The Art of, wait, The War of Art. Um, Stephen Pressfield, he dedicates chapters to talking about resistance and how, you know, frankly, like I understand the cause for justice and I understand the fight for everything we're fighting for. And I understand the hundred years of harm that was caused by white people that bring us to this place. I also see tons of black and brown academics and performers and um, wonderful, wonderfully talented people. I see them pointing, saying, look at how oppressed we are. Look at how oppressed we are. And I'm saying, you got to walk and chew gum at the same time, boo-boo. And this is a lot of the work that we do in Won't You Be My Neighbor on Thursday nights. Like, you got to be able to point and say, like, white people collectively and their oppressive ways, that's trash. And I need to be creating my own opportunities and moments, such as what we're all sitting in right now. Thank you for viewers that are hanging on. Um, you're in a live taping of the Taking Up Space podcast. It's chill. We do one episode every six to eight months. Um, and so it's your lucky day. This is what it is, Stacia. It's not, I, I don't, how do you feel about this? Um, David Kwong Pham says, yay, you two are back. Good to see you, David. We love David Kwong Pham. Yes, we do. Shout um, out. Yeah, shout out, David. How, sure. I mean, I know I read for a long, long time. How do you feel about that? Like the fact that like yeah. we, that we spend a lot of time pointing at, you know, that person yeah. threw sand in my eye like exactly like i mean it, it it's i think it's a poignant time for us to talk about this and sometimes it's challenging for me to articulate how i feel because i do think that there i think there's a time and a place for resistance and rage um and i think that it has been black femme rage that has pushed us forward incrementally as black people um no doubt about it and, and and all of the gains really that we have gotten in whatever crumbs they are of, of social justice in general um at the same time though i think like you're saying about walking and chewing gum at the same time there's a way that we can go a different way which is to be secure in ourselves and rather than sort of arguing about what white people should give us know our worth and prove our worth to ourselves by like going our own way and walking in faith towards creating our own shit. That's how I want to feel about it. You know what I mean? That that feels a little more yummy to me, Stacia, than, than constantly pandering. It's almost like that's how the system is set up. Like the system is set up to constantly put us in this position of like me, like me, like me. Is this cool? Is this enough? Is it, That's the question that I don't like about that's the question that comes up within myself as it relates to being a black man, a black queer man in America. That's a question I don't, that I'm trying to really combat against for the rest of my days. That, that voice inside me that goes, am I enough? Is this enough? And frankly, sometimes it's attached to my blackness. Sometimes it's attached to my queerness. Sometimes it's attached to my level of, of education. Like, it, it gets attached to like so many different things all the time, but relatable. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I also want to say that it's like, I wanted to talk about this because it's an exercise. Like, I definitely don't want to communicate like, this is where I have arrived. And I, cause you know, I was, have been talking with you in my own, in my own personal struggles of very recent around really trying to carry forward this energy of knowing my worth, walking in faith and sort of being like, this is what I demand in terms of what my value is in the labor that I do like pay me ho or pay me no attention. Um, and <laughs> pay me ho or pay me no. Attention, truly. Yeah. Um, but it's, a, it's an exercise and a muscle that we have to flex. And this also might be controversial to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's also people who are hustling the woke warrior clout capitalism. Right. And unpack so unpack that, unpack that. Say that say that two times slower than you did, please. And then also unpack that for us. So there are people who are capitalizing off of the energy of black resistance. There are black people who are capitalizing off of um, the public attention right now of the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter movement or the movement for black lives and white people's fear around social unrest. Like there are people who are putting salt in the wound of, of divi social division right now because they are working in organizations that are, you know, profiting off of sort of um, act like protest actions and the conversations mm -hmm. that are having on social media they're you're, garnering you're, you're more attention you're speaking like partially to the fact that like di which is stands for diversity equity and inclusion work is like in trend and in vogue right now like everybody mm -hmm. wants you know um to like have um <laughs> that kind of uh teacher and um you know teaching experience yeah absolutely and you know, and so when I say that, I don't mean that everyone who is sort of taking a radical stance and doing direct actions, I'm not saying that everyone is trying to monopolize off of that. But what I am saying is that I think we all have to be a little bit more critical about the impact of the ways in which we resist. Um, and so I like how we said truth rather than resistance, because to me, it's like, truth is finite i mean we could get into a philosophical conversation questioning that but for this discussion um i think the truth of like equity and humanity uh, uh, a universal human right uh to self-determination um and livelihood those kind of fundamental principles of, of humanity those are truths. And when we don't act as if they're truths, it's almost as if we're in defensiveness of whether we have the moral high ground about that or not. And I don't think that energy is going to move us forward because it drains us. You know, it drains us every time we, you've got to do the emotional and verbal mental rhetoric to prove that, you know, it's like right. getting into a boxing ring. Um, going as deeply into the details as you'd like to go, you expressed when you first entered into um, the studio uh, for this episode that this week has been a little draining for you. 
um, and that there were ways in which you were kind of resisting, um, or I'll, I'll say what I witnessed, there were ways in which you were resisting your own black ass brilliance this week um, in the marketplace. Can you talk a little bit about how um, resistance instead of the truth of how great you are actually, I feel, created a draining fucking week for you? Sure. Yeah. Shade, shade, a pencil <laughs> no, question wrapped in shade. It. I'm here for it. I need it. Um, yeah. So I think in general, right now, I'm sort of, I'll talk in vague terms just because I'm sort of in the middle of some of this stuff. But um, right now, I'm sort of at a turning point in trying to articulate to myself what things are not working in my life and in my professional life. What ways do I feel like my expertise and the nuance at which I do my work, which is around environmental justice organizing and sort of strategic planning at an urban scale for like land conservation. Um, I'm having to articulate to myself, like what is my value and worth in terms of how I do that work and how does that translate do, how do I create a situation for myself where I feel supported? And how do I stand up for myself when my standard of care isn't being met anymore and when those standards have shifted? Because the reality is, you know, some of the circumstances that I deal with, I will admittedly say that I created by accepting less than I deserve to begin with. And I think a lot of Black people are struggling with how we've become radicalized in you know the tra continuous tragedies of black lives being lost is making us collectively i think feel from what i've heard with my peers and family members is it's articulating to us that there's nothing that we can do to prove our humanity per se mm. like we can have video footage we can have all the receipts right and the system of white supremacy is on the pendulum swing against us um and so what does that mean for how we articulate for ourselves that our black ass lives matter um and so you know i've been kind of thinking about my trajectory professionally and how to negotiate what my worth is especially now that i've been professionally developing and growing and it's hard because you know I think it's hard because I'm, you know, female assigned at birth and black and queer and disabled. So there's a lot of isms that are working against me, I think, on top of my personality type, which tends towards workaholism, that <laughs> create these dynamics where I, I continuously feel like I have to overperform in order to do the things that I want to do in order for me to take up space in those in those environments i feel like i've gotta give 200 percent to prove my worth you know it, internally that's the struggle that i have mm -hmm. um no matter how much i might have a bravado of saying x y and z about knowing my worth worth it's still a continuous kind of dialogue and exercise that i have to have to say okay here are the receipts of what you've accomplished this is what you've done. This is the social capital that you have in order to make your programs and projects successful. Um, but it's like, I have to do that calculus on a regular basis to counteract what 
dominant culture is telling me, which is mm-hmm. that I've got to be exploited in order to have any of the crumbs. Yeah, this, yeah, this need to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize like how people don't realize as if I'm like, <laughs> as if I am like just removed from the whole human experience. <laughs> we don't, we don't recognize how tiring and draining it is to both be doing the actual work at hand mm-hmm. and trying to prove that the work is valid. And what I'm trying to like open up um, to the people that I serve is this opportunity in our mind where we can just let the need to prove go and just write the damn paper. Let the need yes. to prove go and just like respond to the damn email. Um, let the approval go and just go to the meeting. And a lot of people don't realize that even just showing up to the meeting with an open heart and just to listen, you don't have to react. You don't have to respond. You don't have to overgive. You certainly don't have to tap dance in this motherfucker. Just kind of like, especially in COVID, just just be in your life, be in your situation, be in the moment, go in with a beginner's mind, be open to perhaps being surprised um, by what's to come. Um, and then at least you're not doing like double dutch. It's just one jump rope going. Absolutely. And kind of, I think at the center of all of this is realizing, and I think you said this when we started, but that like, when you realize in your humanity that you have nothing to prove and you really know that and begin to feel that and ha- have that mantra, um, you know, I, I have a lot of imposter syndrome. I feel like um, I never thought I'd be able to work in the environmental field because I saw how whitewashed it was. And I knew that my perspectives were counter to the dominant narrative. So like, there's a part of me that's always like, I never even thought I'd be able to professionally do this. I thought I went to school because I just, this was my passion, but that I was probably only going to be able to do stuff related to it on maybe a volunteer basis and probably go back to serving or something. And that legacy still lives on. But when I'm really standing in my truth, which is to know that I have nothing to prove and to remind myself all of the work that I've been doing since the age of 16 towards the cause for, you know, community justice and environmental justice, I remember that I don't have anything to prove. Like y'all are really lucky I show up to this fake shit type vibe, you know? Um, Yeah. And I, but I have to like hype myself up in that way because it's easy to get lost in the sauce of the, the white supremacy narrative. Um, it really is. I, I'm going to hold space even now on this moment for a time when we don't have to, and I'm, this is borrowing from Brene Brown's work um, in vulnerability and shame. Um, there will come a moment, hopefully for us, where we won't have to puff our chest out or cave in on ourselves. We'll actually be able to be at neutral and just move through. That's what I'm holding space for. I don't know who else on the line now um, that's watching on video. Thank you, everybody that's watching on YouTube and on Facebook and on Twitter to this live taping of Taking Up Space podcast episode two. I don't know where you are and what you're going through, but I, I really feel like there's a space station where we can not be so uh, guarded and yet not so like feeble. 
Mm-hmm. Um, where's the space where 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 you're just Stacia, and the cumulative living of the years and the cumulative learning of the lessons has brought you to October third. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nothing to prove or it's nothing to be ashamed of October 3rd. It's just October 3rd. And I, I just, even within myself, I often wonder, especially back in the infancy of say a Love City Arts, like I was trying so hard to make people know that I was a good person in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think a lot of us are spending our days, weeks, months, and years trying to prove that we're good people instead of actually being about the business of being the best employee that we can be in the moment, the best husband, um, the best father, the best wife, the best mother, the best cousin, the best, you know, um, our personal best. And that's going to shift me now um, or shift us now a little bit, if it's okay, into our conversation as it relates to organizing. We're talking today about organizing from a place of truth and not resistance, Um, organizing your shit, organizing your business, organizing your life, organizing people, um, and not coming at it from a self-combative confrontational place, but from resistance. One of the tools I use personally, Stacia, is the four agreements. For those of you who don't know, the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, it was put on to me. It was, I was put on to it by someone who is now a little shady in business practice, uh, none other than Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres was like up and down these streets talking about how wonderful it was and how much it was, you know, um, impacting their lives. And I said, that's wonderful. Um, let me read it too. And it really was a transformational book. Um, I'm gonna try to remember the four agreements right now since it transformed me. So, um, always do your best, take nothing personally, be impeccable with your word, Mm -hmm. be impeccable with your word, always do your best, take nothing personally. And don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. I got and that shit taped up on my wall right next to my refrigerator for real, for real. It can really... Okay, so tell me, why is it on your fridge instead of in a like in a notebook somewhere stashed away in a journal three journals ago? Um, so I... My dad actually just had recent... Maybe two months ago sent me the book and I was really moved by it. And, you know after reading it, I realized, recognized how quickly our brain and emotions can forget these things. And so I was like, I'm really committed to trying to practice these four agreements. Like I feel the energetic shift having read the book. It's such a simple read. It was so nice to get like, so easy to get through. And so I was like, I'm going to make this like a a little artistic project and so I actually sort of like watercolor painted out hand wrote each of the four agreements so that it was like visually appealing to me extra and everything's everything station (laughs) station can't simply like be like oh I printed this out on eight and a half by 11 now I taped it with scotch tape it's got to be like a full watercolor extravaganza so this is wonderful 
because I know I know that like if I like to look at it I'll look at it more you know like so, for some things uh just a post-it note's not going to do it and I have those all over my room as well and half of them <laughs> I do not look at fair enough um so yeah I put it right next to my refrigerator because I'm like I want this to be a multiple daily multiple times a day reminder um of these things and I think particularly related to this conversation the not taking things personally it's really been help a helpful tool for me to try and apply when i'm experiencing microaggressions usually i dissociate a little bit in anger when it's happening in real time it's still very much so a practice but mm -hmm. after i have a little space to reflect on what happened i'm like okay let's break this down in terms of like how like does everyone how this is does everyone know what Sasha's talking about when she says microaggression could you unpack that a little bit before going into the, the not taking it personally part sure so microaggressions i don't know the textbook definition but to me it's basically like when somebody um enacts a behavior that is a subtle slight or a subtle way to demean or devalue um, or patronize you. It's some, it's a power, uh, usually a verbal kind of power manipulation that is so subtle why it's microaggression. And that's the tricky, frustrating part about it is that they're usually subtle verbal manipulations of power that make it very challenging to pin down and say like this person was slighting me in this way or this person was demeaning me by whatever this is which you know makes it more insidious when it's not just like overt racism or overt sexism um does that did i clarify there enough you did i never heard i never heard um well i never thought at least in this moment about the fact that it is a verbal manipulation of power. And it usually happens from people who have on paper some level of power over you. And I'll be very clear when I say that. They have on paper, not in real life, mm -hmm. but in, on paper, they have the sense of power over you. And when you're wearing like a dashiki on a Thursday, because you just wanted to be festive that day and try to like wear some colors to keep from like offing yourself at the desk. When someone in position of power over you walks over to your desk, I'm not saying this happened in real life or anything, but when someone in power comes over to you and goes, wow, that's really festive mm -hmm. and kind of smirk and walk away, they leave you in a position where you can't, or they, so she thought, <laughs> um, but you know, they leave you in a position of not being able to defend yourself. I kind of just deal with, with the anger of, of being powerless this is what we're talking about when we say microaggressions um and so how are you moving with that in in real time right so circling back to the four agreements and the not taking things personally so like i've been trying to um transmute the energy of anger and hurt and frustration when i feel microaggressions and remember that like okay if somebody's trying to do a little power manipulation they're obviously insecure about something. And so whether it's because I'm making them feel insecure or they're just insecure in themselves, this is really an insecurity issue with them because if they were comfortable and secure, 
they wouldn't need to try to manipulate power in that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been trying to take this energy of like, everyone's a fan who has to act insecurely. And what I mean by that is that like, clearly somebody senses the force of the power capacity that you have if they're feeling insecure in some way. Um, you know, whether it's like prompted by you or not, like there's some kind of intimidation. And when I kind of think about it in those terms, I can recycle that energy of frustration into hyping myself up and like giving myself some like self-love about like knowing I'm the shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From a real place. I mean, when we, when we deal with the four agreements as it relates to, you know, dealing in truth and not resistance, it's just one of these little things that you have in your tool belt being like, you know what, I'm not going to take that personally. Um, I, I like, I'm not, and even in the moments when like I've been procrastinating for weeks, like I know that I owe a couple of my collaborators, like some actual like tracks to get down in the studio. And I've just been kind of procrastinating, procrastinating. If I just do my best, don't make assumptions, be impeccable with my word and don't take anything personally. It kind of allows me to dissolve a bit of, of the resistance or the struggle in my, in my chest. When I don't think, when I don't take things personally in my organization as a leader here, well, I'm not in this podcast, I'm not a leader in the organization's podcast, but in love city arts, um, not taking things personally allows me to hold grudges for, you know, a, a diminished amount of time, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. hanging on to what someone said or did and allowing it to kind of derail the whole, you know, the whole situation, if I'm making sense. Yeah, you totally are. And I'd also like to say too, like, if we scale out, right, because like, I think it's really easy to make microaggressions personal right? Like, it's because I'm this black, queer, disabled, da, 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 that this person's doing X, Y, and Z, instead of seeing, like, if we look at the system of, of change, like, social change um, in America in general, and, like, how our country is somewhat in its infancy, and very large, and very diverse in comparison to a lot of other countries, like, there are certain aspects of social unrest that inevitably happen and have happened historically when you have high degree of diversity and um, there's growing pains in terms of what that looks like um, in respect to resource sharing. And so I think as we're increasing in diversity in America um, and as black people are actually gaining in a, in a relative sense, gaining more autonomy um, and power in some respects of our lives um, in relative terms, there's a death rattle, I think, of people, white people, feeling and sensing the change that's coming in a landscape where they're no longer going to be the dominant uh, party and where resources are going to have to be shared. And so like, you know, I try and keep that perspective in a general sense of, of white fragility and insecurity and them recognizing the future is an Afro future. And so Wakanda forever, like, get, yeah. 
get drink, behind it or not. I don't light your candles, drink your tea, do it, whatever you need to do. But brown people see what's what the, the, the hangout now that I feel Stacia that is looming is that there's now a public requirement that brown people are in spaces. People are actually now pointing and going, there are no brown people here. And so now white people are having to confront the fact that they've now got a higher in diversity hires to make themselves look more, you know, palatable to to people who actually favor inclusion. But what's going to happen over time is that you're not going to be able to always hire a black person that agrees ideologically with everything you have to say. Mm -hmm. And the first rounds of no, that's not acceptable. You're standing too close. You cannot ask it of me. Um, not without a raise. Those kind of conversations that I mean that I had in my last organization, they're never comfortable conversations and they always rock the boat. But I think that as black and brown people are kind of made internally aware of their worth and how messed up it's been for 400, 500 years, um, I think you're going to see a different kind of brown employee. You won't be able to, I, in the musical theater space, I will say over the last week, I see a lot of posturing. There's a lot of public declarations. There are a lot of Instagram, like, like public service announcements, you know, those like, you know, where people like write words onto multiple picture screens and like take them like, so six, you get six squares, squares of words and apologies. I'm so sorry. I was an ignorant white person. And I'm like, just do better. Um, you're you're going to actually show fruit of your commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, or not, and it's not going to be in your words. And I need anybody who hears this talking about taking up space um, with Stacia and Dre today. Taking up space would have me say to everyone who's listening: you're not going to get, um, we're not going to get to liberty and justice for all with those Instagram posts. I mean, like it's, it's a, it's a kind gesture and we're happy to see you raising voice, but if you're not actually making black and brown people feel welcomed consistently over years and actually increasing the opportunities they have and increasing like um, their joy, like if you're not purposefully increasing black people's joy, as an employer, as a community leader, as a community member, if you're not increasing black people's joy, especially right now, then I'm, then what is this really about? That that's, that's mm -hmm. like my question. And so it's a vibe, not a hashtag. Like, it is a vibe. It's a, and you can feel it. And I, and I wish that that well-meaning white people um, would understand that your words actually are wonderful and they mean absolutely nothing in the cause for black liberation. We watched, um, we watched them and by them, I'm naming problematic white people, um, which is basically all of y'all who aren't doing anti-racist work. We watched them paint black lives matter on streets and still charge that person for wanton endangerment, which is essentially shooting through drywall and endangering the people next door, that was not a um, decree against the evil that is the murder of a black woman's life. That's not what we saw. We saw more protection of property and things at the hands of a white supremacist institution. If you are not willing to actually like, like 
be able to defend the changes you're making for social justice and actually show your receipts, you're wasting my fucking time. And this is the reason why I will only kick it with Stacia in these conversations. And I'll only like be intimate with certain, while holding a compassion in my heart, you know, hashtag Buddhism for everyone. Um, while holding that and the fact that everybody isn't for you. Yeah, um, absolutely. And white people, some of our friends even they show us daily that like like they they say they care but we are watching right now more than ever before what you are doing if you say if you say that you care about me but you spend bob a a year advocating for a black man's raise saying that you that something came up or it wasn't the right time, or I'm sorry, I meant to bring it up with Paul, but I forgot. Um, those kind of situations, how do you just keep forgetting my raise for a year and a half? How does that happen? Um, this is very real, Amnesia. right? And I mean, and like, this isn't hyperbole. This happened to me. Like he, he blatantly ignored, he saw, he asked me consistently for more work, saw me ask out loud because I'm a very squeaky wheel. I don't give a fuck how y'all feel about it. Judge yourself. And I, and I said, like, where is the money? I was I was changing Keurigs and K-Cups and things in my initial role. And then y'all realized I had talent and, and, and uh, skill and said, do this too. Well, for do this too, um, you can't just put that under ad hoc responsibilities, homie. You have to pay me. Bitch better um, have my money. Bitch better have my money. And this is how white people play games. So until y'all actually want to start publishing all of your salaries and wage offers publicly on your websites at suchandsuch.com slash pay, we're not with your shit. Right. Well, and It's I, a farce. I even want to start, like, I think we're at a place where it's, it's still cathartic for us to sort of name the affronts, the numerous affronts of white supremacy as a mythology that's functioning in our world and society. But I also want Black people and people of color, but specifically Black people, I want us also to stop wasting time posturing, talking about what white people are doing to us and masterminding our way to our own shit. Because honestly, their racism is a very intentional distraction. It's a very intentional distraction. Like Proud Boys is uh, like should be trademarked as a trademarked distraction. Like they these are white men that are crying very loudly in public as an intentional distraction away from the fact that people will die tonight because they don't have adequate health care. Absolutely that. And so I think rather than, you know, it's like our relationship, understandably so in America, but just in general outside of the African continent um, is, you know, it's a, it's an abusive relationship, but at the same time for anyone who's been in one and gotten out of one, you're both complicit in the dynamic that's happening from my perspective. And I, that's not to victim blame or shame in any way. I'm a person who's been in several abusive relationships. But what I am saying is that when you're tired of dealing with a certain circumstance, you'll get tired enough to stop 
entertaining that circumstance. And karmically, I feel like you will keep going around that circle until you're tired. And so I don't think we're, t- I don't think we're tired yet, Stacia. I don't think we're that's tired. That's the thing. And like, I, I know that's probably controversial to say, but I, I'm, I'm saying it as, as a healer of the black community. I, and I feel like both of us carry that charge, Andre, that like there's work that we have to do as black people. I'm speaking to myself as well. On uh, nah, Yeah. The moment you said that, like immediately in my body was this movement of me too. <laughs> like, like, yes. Yes. That's the me too movement I'm talking about. Is exactly. that accountability. I, I'm accounting myself in all of this. We have to do our own work to know that we don't need to be in defense or reaction of our humanity. We need to trust in our ingenuity, our spirit, our ability to vision and dream and architect in all of the things. Think of all of the, that we birthed civilization and how far ahead the African continent was in math and science that basically the whole Eurasia stole, right? And tried to claim as white people have been known to do throughout history. And so it's like, we have to start doing the internal work to heal ourselves in order to rectify the situation for us white people have to do their own work and that's their own business with them and their God and their own spirit from my perspective. Yeah. And I want to talk about that uh, for a second. Like let's pause there because I believe that there are specific individual work as it relates to social justice and racial reconciliation. And I believe that there's collective work and I believe that both have to happen simultaneously. I believe that black people, if y'all get such a fuck about black on black crime, which is such a wild thing given the 12% of the population we make up, but sure. Um, let us serve our people. Let us serve and love on our people un- unobstructed, uh, unfettered with, like, like, can we just as healers, Astacia and myself and, and the countless other black healers that we know and respect and admire, can we just tend to our people with full financial and emotional and spiritual support from white people outside the room. So the problem is that usually y'all want to be involved in everything and have your nose in everyone's business as a tool of white supremacy. We're not asking for that. We're asking for actual support to actually nurture and care for the needs of our own community. While you hopefully will be minding your own business and doing that for your own problematic white people. And then because this this is a continued action, you'll come out of your meeting with your problematic white people as a white person, and we'll come out of our meetings with our black people, and then collectively we'll be able to have calm, um, and they don't always need to be calm, so I'm gonna take that back. Um, safe, let's say safe. Let's just say safe, enough conversations um, to do the healing work. And for those of you, another shameless plug of love for those of you who don't attend, won't you be my neighbor, which is this like Thursday night, social justice, um, healing, sharing space that we conduct together in community. Um, this is where we do the work of actually telling white people to their faces. Like you all collectively are trash come back by next week with a better, a more excellent way. Um, because what we have clearly is not serving us and we'll be here to support you and we'll cry through it and we'll move through it and we'll laugh through it. But like, what are we going to actually do, um, to be the change you wish to see in the world? Um, the last 
points I'm going to make on, on this episode of the ad like to contribute into the pot of uh, taking up space with Stacia and Dre is just lifting the names of two more amazing humans that I admire. The first one I'm going to touch on lightly is Seth Godin. Um, he He's this marketing guru, white guy. Um, but I love what he has to say. I should say not but, but and. I love what he has to say about... Um, seeing your followers or your viewers or the people you serve in your community. I believe everybody who's listening now or viewing now, I believe we all have people we serve. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think everyone could account or, or count, you know, a handful of people that they serve. If you see all those people as students of your life um, and then they will beget students of their lives, who will beget students of their lives, you'll begin to see that your legacy is very, very far reaching and then it's not about 10,000 followers, but it's about the one person that you connect with and whoever overhears that love. Um, and so I just really want to talk about that, um, that, you know, um, I just that's the talk of me saying that I really like his philosophy around how most of our work in this life is coming from a teaching perspective. All of us are teaching someone and somebody something by the living of our lives. Um, another, another thing that recently came up, um, in the last two weeks or since we've been together last, which was like 80 years ago, um, is that everybody, no matter who they are, that you meet knows something that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be, to that's gonna be my last thought for the week. Like, I just really like this idea of we're going to constantly teach each other where our ouch and oops moments are we're going to walk in truth and love as much as we can in life um and hope for the best you know yeah absolutely um i just the last response i'll say to um to what you're talking about uh with each person being a lesson or for us to learn or a story for us to to learn mm-hmm. from is that I always like to ground talking about sort of the place that we're in social media wise with, I think a lot of people are very concerned about like how other people perceive them as good, which I think you brought up, touched upon a little bit um, in in the beginning of the podcast. But I think if we, we think in a more grounded scale about who we actually impact, right? We all know who watches our stories that are actually our friends, who actually give a shit, people who are actually sort of in our in our molecule, in our network, you know, um, that actually vibe and resonate with our stuff. And I think if we- Sphere of influence. Our flock, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I think if we start flocking together, which I stole that from Adrian Marine Brown, and they actually, um, some people organized a conversation at the beginning of Corona that was called flocking through this Rona. But it was basically talking about like, how do we like-minded people who are doing like-minded work, how do we flock together? And so I just want to encourage us to lean into the concept of not having anything to prove but really going where we feel resonance and speaking to the people who we have resonance with rather than needing to react to the world to substantiate that you were a good person and that you're on the right side of history. Cause I think that's what changes hearts and minds and makes 
movements and wave forms and particles is when we're attuned to the people who are really paying attention to us in an intentional way, rather than everyone over here doing who knows what. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to co-sign that by saying that um, this is new and I can say this to you in front of everyone with receipts over the last two weeks, I've just started showing up in my chair at my microphone or headset in all of the LCA programming and in my life. And I'm just like, here I am. You know what I mean? Like he, like less prep, more presence. This is, this is where we are, right? This is where we are. And what, and the reason why it's coming up for me is because it's the one-on-one. I think Mm -hmm. people think it's so large. They, like, there's a reason why we're overwhelmed right now and what we're in, because we're trying to actually heal everything and everybody or have an opinion about everything and everybody. What if you only committed to making the five people, and I'm not saying exclusively, but what if for a moment we stopped focusing on whether this nigga has COVID or not? And I mean, I wish I wish him well as well. I wish that no one had to die from this. I sincerely say that from the bottom of my heart. I wish that not, we have the technology to put um, images of cats and dogs on people's faces on fucking Snapchat. We could have been, we could have done a little better technologically in the saving of people's lives. You know it, Stacia. I know it. The listeners know it. I'm not going to, I'm going to let that go. All I'm saying is let's focus on our focus. If you got five people and I've been admonishing the people that I, that I facilitate and work with and care for and love and want you be my neighbor. If you've got five black people that are close to you, um, you know, go out on that limb and extend love, attend and befriend. If you are in a work situation or in a family situation where things are, are, are dicey, but you still have to engage this person, try bringing more presence, like sit there and listen um, more than you want to be reactive and response. And there's a bunch of, you know, Meisner acting training in there that, that I've been intensively going through with Jillian and a bunch of other things that are kind of opening me up. But I'm finding that the more we can just deal heart to heart with the people that are closest to us, like what what good, and I got convicted about this, which is really churchy language, so forgive me, but... <laughs> Woo, child. Pop the spirit. Woo. Um, what good is it for me to serve the hundreds, thousands, whatever the number is of people in Love City if I'm not being kind at the very least to my own mother? And I know that relationships with mothers are dicey and I'm not being prescriptive about how everyone feels, but I'm, I'm, I'm what I'm speaking to is how are we so concerned with the world's chaos at large and then I'm not calming the chaos in my own house. Yeah, I think that's the divisiveness that is how capitalism, this late stage of capitalism has tooled social media. It's intentionally misappropriate scale of attentiveness because that exacerbates our alienation, which then makes us buy more. So Could you break got that a- down into like words that don't require a fucking master's degree to get it? Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I, I highly recommend, and I don't usually like recommend a bunch of stuff, but um, the social dilemma I think is good for anyone who hasn't really thought critically about 
the ways in which social media is impacting us. Um, I turned my notifications off on all my social after having watched that movie, which has been really impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, you know, from a Marxist lens, if, if we want to look at how social media is being used to make us buy more things, mm-hmm. it is, I think when our, as social creatures, it's normal for us to want to have the in-group cosign socially, to, to feel that belonging, to feel the sense of social belonging, and even more That's so- very normal. Mm-hmm, it's very normal for all of us. It's a part of how we evolved. Uh, it's a part of our protective, you know, response as human creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, how that's being manipulated, though, is that I think when we feel isolated and we look to social media as a stand-in for connectiveness, there's a cognitive dissonance there because the connectiveness, unless you're very intentional about how you're using those platforms, is typically shallow. It's shallow with a like, you know, not a real sort of person to person connection. It can happen, but for the most part, a lot of the energy that we're spending scrolling and posting is caught up in the likes, which is really, you know, it's just a hit, like a drug hit. Um, chemically. And so, chemically. Seriously. David's saying we can lie, we collide and bounce off each other in a nuclear reactor, a radioactivity instead of decay. <laughs> course he would say that um and but and so circling back how this is related to capitalism is that there's a lot of uh class signaling also that happens with the way we present ourselves with the way we sort of try to cover over these these feelings of alienation by consuming commodities then having to work at you know slave labor so that we could buy more come on it's you know it's a hamster wheel mm-hmm. um that really is a reaction towards us all feeling less connected and so the thing I, why i am so grateful to have andre in my life and to have you as a creative partner is that with love city arts and what you built and what we're building and tending is doing that thing of trying to disrupt all that I just described about how social media and digital platforms are being tooled against us. And that's something really powerful. And it's something that my skeptical nihilistic ass has, has seen the, the positive impact from through won't you be my neighbor. I'm feeling the, the genuine community that we're building there in a digital space that me as a Luddite, as a person who really fears technology in a lot of respects, you know, I really have to admit how changed I've been by, by that community. So it's possible. It's possible for us to go a different way. We just have to tune in. It's been so funny to me um, with the people that I coach and with the groups that I work with with Love City. Coaxing people into the actual space is the hardest thing. People love to cancel. People love to like avoid it or whatever. And then they always get to the end of the 20 minutes we spend together or the 45 minutes we spend together, the hour. And I'm not, this is not a special magic to me, although it's a special magic to me. Yes, it <laughs> um, it's not a special magic to me, though. I find that like we are um, averse 
to actually going deep and meaningful with people because they programmed us and trained us to be a light and, and just, you know, I, I, I liked your shit. What else do you want from me? Um, but sometimes people actually want to feel heard and seen more deeply. And so what I enjoy as a participant in Love City um, as well is that on Thursday nights, we're in there actually going heart to heart. Um, and you can't, I mean, Zuckerberg can do all he wants as he shuts me off all the platforms, but Zuckerberg can do all he wants to try to replicate in glass and metal um, that feeling, but there, there's no emoji that can actually beat the actual human connection. Mm -hmm. And so that's why in this work, I'm trying the best that I can. And I know that I fail from time to time because I'm human, but I'm trying my best to like really um, go heavy on the play and go heavy on the love and go heavy on the joy in this work. Um, and then continue to model to each other, hey, it's safe to actually open up um, with the right people. And I'm gonna say that one more time so that it lands in the right way. It is safe for you, ladies and gentlemen, and people, they, these, and they, thems. It is okay for you to open up in the right spaces. And Love City Arts is working. Stacia's on the board now. Um, there's no secrets about that. Um, we are working to create more spaces um, like this podcast where we can just bring our open selves and our open hearts. I don't want to live the next 36 years of my life not taking up space. I want to come in here and be able to talk about drained energy and the four agreements, Seth Godin, AMB, flocking, I want to come in and be able to like unpack all of these things in safe communal spaces and then also use that energy to hopefully impact, you know, my next door neighbor. I'm done with trying to appease and appeal to strangers. You know, when I know David Kwong Pham is watching right now, so I can say, Hey David, we love you right now. Do. As opposed to, um, going into the trick of the ego, which is a whole nother episode about how the more monster of our ego wants us to have more than the beautiful five people who are watching right now and listening right now. And the one beautiful you that's on the screen station right now, they've tricked us into believing that we need more and we've, we've fell for it, you know, hook, line and sinker, but we're, but to echo your point in a very long winded way, we're finding that if you just push, I mean, to that point, if you just push, go live. And for those of you out there, I'm not a competitive kind of person anymore because it's bullshit. It doesn't work. It doesn't serve the community. If you are thinking about doing a podcast of your own with custom live streaming and all of this that you're, that you're witnessing or hearing, reach out to me by email, andre at andrestith.net or support at lovecityarts.org. I'll teach you how to do this for yourself. I believe that more love and encouragement and connection in the world is important. But I'll tell you this, Stacia, about an hour to this thing coming up, I was like, oh man, I'd really like to lay, you know, to lay here and watch more of these murder mysteries. You know, like, <laughs> I just really, like, I gotta get up, I gotta turn on these lights, I gotta like log, log in and load in. Like, it, it felt like a lot. And we do this to ourselves. We all have our examples of like, I just, mm -hmm. I'm not going, I don't wanna. Then you get um, an hour and 20 minutes, and we're about to end everybody, an hour and 20 minutes into episode two of Taking Up Space with Stacia and Dre, and you realize, 
oh, well, this is why. Yeah. It feels good. And it there's does. a lot of people, and there's a lot of people that are, that are poo-pooing the fact that we have to do this in, in digital glass and, and metal spaces because the more monster wants us to have more dinners, more nights out and more partying in the midst of a fucking pandemic. Calm yes. down. Also, we're lucky we have this. I'm not to be on some scare tactic shit, but like what would have happened if we didn't have this technology? And many people don't. I work in communities where the digital divide is real. This is a serious problem that I'm working on right now. Like black, not what she's saying is black and brown kids are not getting educated because they don't have the tools to do so. Yeah. Internet, Wi-Fi, high Wi-Fi connection speed is expensive. Having a nice, like a laptop, that we're able to do these things on it's expensive and it's not a standard unfortunately it's not a standard for everyone and so while people are poo-pooing about zoom fatigue or whatever and i'm one of them um we also have to ground remembering that it could be worse and it's lucky that we have th these tools at all to stay connected because some people don't and they're isolated and they don't have any of these tools we're very blessed we're very blessed um, because this is um, a podcast that is interwoven in or networked into my organization. Can I take a bit of a, of a freedom um, in these last few minutes that we have together, Stacia, if that's well, okay. You always got freedom with me. Stay Thank liberated. You. Thank you, friend. <laughs> stay, yeah, stay liberated, stay free. Um, I just want to invite everyone who's listening now or listening later. This is nothing woo-woo. Um, all of the Love City Art stuff and all the podcasts that I do with Station, all of our work is all about BYO, like bring your own beliefs, bring your own love. So I'm not trying to like do anything weird now, but I just want us to breathe um, on on together for a few minutes intentionally um, and just... I know it's a really, really weird thing. Perhaps if you're like, if you go one show over on iTunes or wherever you source your podcast, you may not get a weird ending of the show where we just take a moment to just be together. Um, but I did want to take this moment for us to just ground and something about you talk the way you were talking about um, gratitude, Stacia, and the fact that the fact that we're here, even in this moment and present in this way. Um, is an incredible opportunity and privilege. Um, and so I just wanted to, in a non-weird, creepy way, just say thank you. Oh, thank you. Gratitude, um, attitude. I'm glad we both got it. Or we, yeah. try it. we try at it. I think it's, I think it's going to take us far. I think that when we lean into perfectionism and and and, and all of that, it feels crummy. But, but when you said, look, we're grateful to have this because there's so many people who don't and we're going to work our asses off to make sure that they do um let's be very clear i'm not going to sit in here with the technology and not work hard for someone else to have it um i believe we all deserve creative expression which is the reason why um we are here um but i just wanted to breathe a thank you to you stacia and the viewers and most importantly to a very benevolent and loving universe of me and fill in the language uh, with whatever you need to make you comfortable in this life. I think it's all the fucking same. I think whether you go to church or you go on the toilet, it's the same energy. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> to me, 
I believe um, that I, and, I, and you can't and you can't convince me of anything different in 2020. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> so it, it's not about that anymore for me. I spent so many years trying to um, prove to people that 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 there was a righteous way. Mm-hmm. And now I'm now I know that all people really need and want is a simple hug. And how are you? so busy trying to save everybody and tell everybody what to do and i mean the same people that are out there saying god is love are the ones within the last 24 hours and i'm not judging you because i don't really fucking care (laughs) um the truth be told but the same people that are saying god is love are also like laughing at the health demise of another human being Mm -hmm. in exchange for his laughing at the demise of 200,000. that's not going to get us fam where we want to be i'm a petty bitch too on record and i'm a leader of a loving organization who's a petty bitch but you know what i've been doing like practically stacia over the last two weeks i've been keeping my petty like really isolated i know that the buddha would say well that's you're still doing the most but i started to kind of like decrease my quotient of petty it's not going to get us where we want to be sure he has an orange face sure calling him orange turd makes you feel well will it keep your belly fed will it keep your heart lifted or is it one of those things that we use to just temporarily inflate ourselves and then we go back to feeling like shit Mm -hmm. my friends i'm committed to you not feeling like shit and the reason why i'm committed to you not feeling like shit is because selfishly i'm committed to not feeling like shit myself i'm a transparent Mm -hmm. motherfucker love city arts is intentionally started three and a half years ago so that i so that it could keep me from being a selfish motherfucker all i want to do in my ego no offense to station but station and i are cooler than this because we've been friends for millennia it would serve the ego and serve all of us and there are people playing this game station you'll see where i'm going they hit live and they go live for themselves talking about their business and what they're doing for themselves and how they're operating and da, 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 da. i'm saying there's a new paradigm in the world where we can actually drop our defenses and say hey real talk i'd rather scratch my nuts now that's going to cause the e to have to go on the podcast but i'd rather scratch my nuts and watch downson abbey but if i get on with stacia and talk about liberation for black people as an extension of everyone and like just mirror to each other in public space in front of a beloved community like david kwong fong like you know like if we can just keep recycling and in cycling that may not be a word but i just made it up if we can keep in cycling our productive joy and turning our love on each other it's such a propensity right now to turn hate upon each other to do an eye for an eye well he deserves covid because an eye for an eye what would happen and let me be very clear i decree or decry 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 de c-r-y if that's how you pronounce it you know i don't know how to spell child it doesn't doesn't fucking matter but i denounce evil and racism and white supremacy in all its forms if we do that vocally and then turn our love onto each other i believe in not a a pollyanna way we're actually going to survive this motherfucker your great great your great 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 grandmother didn't spit and here we are (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to get another e rating 
Um, and so your those people had relations who had relations who had relations had relations and now we're sitting on the internet talking shit about it we're going to survive if we don't die yeah <laughs> i mean yes that is okay true. so station doesn't look like she's a black femme but she they pronouns are a black femme i try to when i'm in spaces with black women because instances like Brianna Taylor exist. I want to give the last piece of chicken to Stacia always before we end this live cast. Before I do, I'm going to say thanks everybody for watching. Won't you be my neighbors on Thursdays where we heal black mama, white mama shit. Love City Live is on Wednesdays where we just encourage each other with artists in our communities on a live show. I'm starting deep listening sessions soon. That'll be a lot like what Stacia and I did today, today, but with a lot less talking from me where people just come in off of the internet streets and say what's on their heart we listen we do not respond we take you into our hearts and then we move on to the next person so deep listening sessions are coming from love city arts soon and then also um love city arts academy is starting i know everyone is starting academies and memberships right now because we all trying to um scrounge them decades and COVID. but i think that this one is going to be um as special as the rest um, and different from the rest and that this is going to be completely grassroots and that all the teachers are volunteering their time at start. Um, so we're going to have audio production classes. David Kwong Pham is teaching a musical theater um, intensive. All of these things are going to be happening from the community for the community. Station I um, and some of your some of you don't love your, yourselves enough to hear this, but Station I. <laughs> because you'll be offended and you're like what about me what about juju b um but station i and our community like david um not like david our community and david and all and the 12 staff we have and the, and the volunteers we're committed to actually being about that life we're not going to sit on the internet you know verbally masturbate about how good life can be and not actually give it a shot we're gonna go we're gonna go we're gonna keep going live on saturday uh, on Saturday, uh, this won't be recurring, but on Saturdays, as we want, we will go live um, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Check out lovecityarts.org for the programming. Don't do it for my ego. Your click is not going to get me, you know, it's not going to drop two million into my account. I'll be grateful that you that you went, but it's not going to change the actual fluctuation of my bank account. We actually want to build community. We, we did it with two dollars and now we've got recurring donors who, who we're so thankful for um but like we're gonna just keep doing our thing um i've done all the promo we've talked stacia what do you want to leave people with over the next eight months until they see your ass again on an episode since we do these every six to eight months um i just want to encourage folks to sort of like ground, I want us to all work on grounding ourselves in sort of how the way we harness our energy in response to injustice fractals outward. I'm really about the symbolism of, of fractals. Uh, Andre knows I've gotten that from emergent strategy, but I really stick with that pattern because it helps me to remember, right, when somebody spews violence at me, I can protect myself, but in general, I don't have to volley and reflect and mirror that kind of energy back, right? I can, I can go high when they go low, however you wanna, wanna phrase that, but I really do believe that when we build a culture 
of standing in our truth, which is that we all belong. We all belong. We all have the same universal humanity. When you know that for yourself, you move with a different kind of energy. Um, and I, I want us, I, I just want to leave us with, um, with those words so that we can kind of try and, and move from that energy rather than in reaction to injustice. Thank you, Stacia. Thank you for helping me to take up space. I love you. I love you. I really do. Um, thank you for walking this life with me. Like, you don't, people don't realize, like, if you, I said I wasn't going to say the last thing, but I have to just offer gratitude. Like, it matters to have friends and compatriots walking through life with you. It matters. I could be sitting on here by my damn self, you know? Um, it really does. And I want to thank you for, um, you know, showing up um, for this. I want to thank everybody who's who's watched, who's watching now and listening later for showing up. It matters. It not for my ego, but for the heart of us. Um, and and someone actually tuning in or someone saying yes to come and talk to you online. It's not, you know, it's not. Um, it's electricity, you know. It's yeah. an energy that's shared when it's yeah when the intentions are pure. And we try to like, you know, as leaders and creators, we try to like pump ourselves up and be like, you know what? I'm fine if somebody shows. I'm fine if nobody shows. No, sitting at the fucking McDonald's, uh, you know, birthday party with the cake by your damn self sucks. Let's be clear about it. Like nobody wants to be, um, you know, by themselves in life or by themselves in whatever they're putting their hands to. So I just want to thank you in, in public space for actually giving a fuck about me and giving a fuck about this work and giving a fuck about the community that's watching. And like, like we're going to just keep showing up for each other, like red and yellow, black and white. We're going to keep taking up space. Um, I'm sorry that I took your last word from you, but I got overwhelmed with the fact to tell you that like, there's tons of people who I've asked to take up projects of spreading love in this way. Um, and they either ghost or things come up and I'm, I'm, I welcome that too. Um, but you, as it relates to this project, Stacia said yes. Um, and for those of you out there who knows what it's like to say yes to projects and to collaborate with people, um, outside of what's required for a paycheck, you know what this means and how it matters. So, um, and, and what it means also that you know, the five of you who are watching now and the countless others who watch this afternoon, you're just stopping through for a minute or two at a time matters in the yeah, building in, in the building of love. Well, the feelings are entirely mutual, Andre. You know that. Cool. Cool. I love you. All right. Y'all enjoy the rest of your week wherever you are in the world until we meet again on a Taking Up Space podcast or in something in the Love City Arts ecosystem. May you be happy. May you be healthy. And may you be free of all suffering. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be free of all suffering. Can you give them the last one, Stacia? May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be free of all suffering. <laughs>